Before we start this episode, we want to tell you about a way you can make money with the footage you have lying around. That's right. So Dissolve is a company that licenses stock footage, but the interesting thing about them is they get footage from filmmakers like you. So if you get a bunch of footage lying around that you're not doing anything with, you can upload it to Dissolve and they will help license it for you. It could be clips from your short films, your corporate video shoots, whatever you got. Getting started is easy. All you have to do is fill out the application at dissolve.com apply. I think everyone could get good use out of this because it's really hard to make money as a filmmaker, and this is just one more way you can potentially return a profit of some kind. Yeah, and the application's really easy, so everyone go check it out, give it a try, and let us know what you think. And a big thanks to Dissolve for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Dissolve. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics to give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. So this week is alternate week, or I should say the alternate week. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bring everyone up to date on the movie and what's going on. And for people who are listening to, I guess, us talk for the first time. Yeah, what's the alternate? <laughs> or haven't just been caught up. We'll, well, yeah, we'll we'll definitely catch you up. But Ulrich has been working on this movie since the podcast has started. This would be his first feature film. Yeah, I've been working on this probably a year before the podcast had started, um, or more than a year. So it was already like an ongoing project when this whole thing started. And, you know, we talked about it early on, but I feel like for people who are listening now, like they don't have any idea what the hell we're talking about when we talk about the alternate. And I think it'd be good to like sort of just go over the whole project, give a, a basic, just a catch up, I guess. Yeah, catch up. But you know, the people who have been listening since the beginning are going to be so frustrated by this episode. Maybe. I don't know. They, they I might. <laughs> I mean, they might not remember all the details because it was like years ago and probably a good year ago since we t- had any real big episode about it. So... Yeah, we'll see. I think the hard part for me when you like talk about any project that you've been working on, especially one like this, where it's just, it's been a long time. There's a lot of people that would just will tell you, just do it. Just make it happen. Just go and go and do it. It's like, yeah, I mean, in theory, that's how it should work, but it's not always that easy, is it? No, I mean, you can't, I mean, unless you just want to shoot it for $10,000, you can't really just <laughs> go and make it happen. That's just not really... But that's what a lot of people would say, is like, don't right. worry about making it at whatever level you think of right now. Just go make it for $10,000 right. or whatever you can scrounge together tomorrow. Well, I don't know. I mean, hopefully this will you know, kind of show people what the steps were and why it's taken this long and why it hasn't been made yet and why it's going to be made this year, you know, and just sort of go through all those things. But first, I, I kind of want to hear what you've been up to. We, we've had so many guests. We haven't really talked since um, yeah. the new year before Christmas. We haven't even hung out outside of the podcast. No. So what's been going on, man? Not a whole lot. Um, Probably the story that I can tell is I think last year after we stopped talking and we were just doing guest podcast i went back and listened to the fraser bradshaw episode because i remember you telling me that kim is it kim bailey really likes that ba- episode. bailey bailey kim, bailey kim yeah. uh, opposite bailey kim really likes that episode 
And I remember recording it, but I remember nothing of what Frazier said because I think I was in a bad headspace that day. So I went back and listened to it. And yeah, man, that's a really good episode. There's like so many great things in it. The thing that kind of resonated with me was he said, and this is something we've been saying since the beginning, is your first film is probably going to be bad. And it takes a long time before you get good. So it's like, just don't think about your filmmaking career as a film, two films, three films. Think about it in, as 10 films. Your first film's going to be bad. Your second film's going to be bad. Your third film's going to be bad. Your third, your fourth, your fifth, your sixth, on and on. And maybe by the time you get to your 10th film, you'll be ready to make something that's decent. And so that got me all like jazzed up and inspired as like, yeah, man, he's totally right. I've been saying that since the beginning. Like that's that's been my philosophy all this time. So I need to just go out and just like make movies. I just got to go make a whole bunch of them. I'm just going to go make a $20,000 film every year until I get good. And then (laughs) we got on, then we got on with Gordy. Cause, oh yeah. Cause at that time I was like, all right, I'm just going to abandon Artifice, the screenplay that I've been working on for like two years that I'm like kind of stuck on. I was like, I'm just going to abandon that. I'm going to go to these other ideas that I think are going to be more doable for like the $20,000 range and just make it happen. And then we got on with Gordy and Gordy's like, don't stop writing that screenplay that you're working on. Like if you don't finish it, then you're actually going backwards. I was like, oh, man, he's right. If I don't finish the screenplay, then I'm going backwards. On the other side of the coin is like Jordan Peele talking about Get Out. And he said, like, when he writes, he just follows the fun. Like, if one screenplay is not fun, he goes to another screenplay. And that is more interesting to him. And he kind of bounces back and forth until he finishes it. But in thinking about, like, who I am and how I work... I think Gordy's right. If I don't finish this screenplay, I'm probably going to go backwards. So um, I've come back around and I'm going to just push through it, figure out how to get the screenplay done. I don't know how long it's going to take. It's really frustrating. Um, But I did open it back up and just started pushing through it, just start getting ideas down, just starting to throw things on the page, and I'm just working through it, and we'll see. Like, Hopefully I can get through it fast so I can go back to this other plan of like, let me just figure out a way to make a $20,000 film every year and just build my career up that way. Right, so now you're going to just make this one, try to work on this one movie and not really worry about just doing it for $20,000, just going to make it? Or you want to write it first? Well, I need to finish this screenplay. I mean, this screenplay is always like, in theory, it was going to be like a $100,000 movie, but I don't really know what it's going to cost. And I and I'm, part of the reason I want to give up on it is because I have uh, a bad feeling that I'm doing the same thing that I've always done, which is I'm writing myself out of this low-budget film that I'm like getting too ambitious with it. Right, right. So it's like yeah. what, I, it's what, what I think we both do, right? Is we get like excited about an idea and we don't want to stop and we just keep adding things to it and it just gets blown out of proportion. Right. Well, you got to follow the story. And I mean, I feel like some writers say like, don't, you know, don't try to limit yourself too much. But again, you know, working within certain limitations can be helpful for story too, right? So if you remember, remind yourself of your budget and you keep that there, that crutch there while you're writing and like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. I have to keep it under this or that handicap, I guess, Yeah, you know, right. then, um, you know, maybe that'll help you solve some, some creative issues, you know? Yeah, it could. And maybe the, 
the step to get there is to really find out like what does a hundred thousand dollar movie look like and we've done some episodes about that and like talking to Noam Kroll about his like twelve thousand dollar budget you realize quickly that a hundred thousand dollar budget really is something that it's one location and just a few people I think what Jason Headley did is a very good example of something that could be done for a hundred thousand dollars I think it has three actors and it's one location right my film is a few actors in one location, but the way that I'm writing it, I think is um, it's going to require a lot of tools and equipment, which is not unfe- not not that I can't do it. It's just going to be a little harder to pull off. And there are some kind of practical effects things. There's like a cybernetic aspect to the the world that I'm creating. Kind of, it's like a it's a world that includes this AI that can take different forms and also has this girl that has like a, a like a cybernetic leg. So yeah, maybe I can figure out ways to do those things cheaply, but at a certain point, am I going to even want to make that movie if everything's done on the cheap? Well, that sounds cool though. Yeah. It could be cool. Yeah. But, and, and then, you know, but in my head, like this whole Fraser, Fraser Bradshaw idea of like building up to stuff, I don't think this is, would be my first movie. You know, I feel like all these screenplays that I've written over the last 10 years and I have, I don't know, I think I might have like 10 screenplays in my arsenal. They're all like the steps movies down the line i haven't written this the movie that's like the first step yet i keep trying to write that movie and then i realize oh that's not the first step that's like step three four five maybe even ten down the line so it's kind of it's in some ways it's good and that's just based on the scope of the movie yeah it's like i just like keep have these i have these bigger and bigger movies that maybe aren't the best thing to do for my first one especially given like my experience on the spirit machine i just realized i mean that movie was so big and so ambitious that i really set myself up for quote-unquote failure so (laughs) there was a screenplay when i first finished spirit machine that i was super excited about it got bought um, from out underneath me it's called the guest and it was really simple it was a woman who had checked into a hotel and then a whole bunch of stuff happens kind of in that hotel environment. I need to figure out something like that where it's like, it doesn't have visual effects. It doesn't have practical effects. It doesn't require like a bunch of crazy camera moves or anything. And it's just a really simple story or even something like The Breakfast Club, you know, some characters in a room and it's about the drama between them. Something that I can just, I can do, wrap my head around. It doesn't take a ton of resources to pull off so I can just really focus on like just the storytelling and not like all the other aspects of production that I, I sometimes get lost in because they're just fun. They're fun to like do makeups and effects and all that stuff. Right. But will that kind of movie move the needle? That's that's my concern, right? Like you go out and make a $20,000 feature or something like that and it's something manageable, something in one room, something that's not going to cost too much. Yeah. But in the end, like, is it going to be good enough um, or a big enough movie to actually get anyone to take you seriously? You know? And I guess that's I think, not the point for me. The point no. for me is just personal growth. Well, it, the point's not to be able to make another movie afterwards without having to spend your own money. I feel like if I can keep, if I can figure out a way to make movies for twenty thousand dollars, that's pr- not uh, not hard. So you would just pay twenty thousand dollars per movie out of your own pocket. Yeah, even if I had to fund it myself. Yeah, to self fund twenty twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of the advantage of having a, a nice, you know, full time salary job. 
Yeah. I can put that kind of money away. Well, I mean, I guess the other question would be like, what would you be trying to get out of these, um, these $20,000 features? Like what would be the goal just to get better at storytelling? Yeah. Better at, at telling stories on a feature level. Cause I've never done it before. Right. That's a good point. You know? And I feel like I've done, I've done 20 minutes and it, I had a hard time with 20 minutes. So if the first film that I do at 90 minutes is going to, is probably not going to turn out the way I want it to. And so I got I, I I know how to work with crews. I know how to like be on a set and work with actors and all that. But to tell a story over a prolonged period of time, I haven't proven to myself that I can do it. So I think I need to start small so I can take that first step and say, all right, I've done it. Now I can go back and say, what can I do better? And then I can bring that to the second film. And then at a certain point, something that I really care about, like an artifice that is going to take a little bit more resources to pull off, then I can say, all right, I'm, I'm ready for this film and I'm going to go make it. But right now I'm, I'm scared of Artifice. I feel like it's going to put me in the same position that Spirit Machine did because it's too ambitious. Even though it's like a contained thing, it still feels really ambitious. Well, I don't know. I mean, I would say like go after the ambitious thing because, and don't worry about failing Mm -hmm. Just do it and follow your heart, you know? Because, like, you could... I mean, unless, like, let's say you come up with a $20,000 movie script that you that you feel that strongly about, then maybe make that. But if you're just... You've got a, a movie that you can make just because you can make it. Like, I don't even know if that's enough reason to make a movie. I mean, just to get... Just as practice. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you, you have to really feel something for the material, I think. And I'm not saying that you can't find a script that would be doable for $20,000 that you would feel strongly about. I mean, obviously people do find those, but... I mean, I think that's like the, the the key to that whole thing. It's like, you have to give a shit about the movie you're making. Totally, you know? totally, yeah. And, you know, first steps first, I gotta come up with just a screenplay at, at any budget that I feel like I'm ready to go shoot. Right. And I have a lot of screenplays that like I've been interested in the past, but then they've just been, they're so far out of reach, like too crazy that it's not even worth trying to put, put it together yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's a cool plan that you have to like just finish the art- artifice script and just be, get that project out of your system so you don't yeah. have to like have it hanging over your head and who knows once i get to the end of it i might be like all right i gotta make this movie right but right now <laughs> i'm kind of like i don't know i don't know what it is yet i'm still trying to right. figure it out right. i really love the idea behind it but i haven't figured out how to tell the story right and maybe you realize oh i can actually you know i just need fifty thousand dollars to make this movie and yeah right oh i can self-fund x amount and go to kick crook kickstarter for the other half and or whatever it is and then go out and you know just make a movie i mean that's very doable yeah there's there's still steps to be taken yeah yeah so that's where my head's at right now Um, nice man i'm just powering through artifice and using as much free time as i have to work on that nice well, I don't know if we want to talk about me at all because we're just gonna. This whole episode is gonna be about it's the all ultimate. about you. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, other things are going on, but I think the biggest thing, obviously, that's going on is the alternate, and that's what I'm focusing most of my energy on. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to just jump into that? Yeah. 
Let's do it. All right. So first off, I wanted to just sort of mention to everybody that we've talked about the alternate a lot over the podcast. And I went through the whole um, show, all 138 episodes, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, and found every episode that we mentioned the alternate in. So the first time I mentioned the alternate and talked about it a little bit was in the 15th episode of the show. And then there's like, I mean probably 20 or 30 shows where I talk about it to some degree, you know, between then and now, I guess. And then the one really big one, I think, is episode 80, I think, where we did the pitch of the alternate, where I pitched the alternate on the show. And uh, we actually play a pitch from a real pitch I did to an executive through that uh, Stage yeah. 32 service. That was a good one. So that's a really, I mean, if you really want to sink your teeth into the alternate, like that's a really good one because it shows like the feedback I got on the pitch. You can hear the actual pitch itself. And we talk, you know, all that episode is about the alternate. So, I mean, that's a one to listen to first, um, you know, pause now. Yeah. Did anything ever come out of that, that all those pitches that you did? <laughs> so I had gotten five requests. Uh, one was for a treatment. So the treatment I sent in, um, they said pass on the treatment. They didn't want to see the script after reading the treatment. And then I got one set of feedback from the four other people who were supposed to send me feedback. And it was like the worst feedback in the world. <laughs> not, not the worst feedback, but it was like really negative. Like this, the characters are really dull. There's no dynamic blah 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 it's super sexist and this and that here and there and all this stuff and it was just really really brutal um and i feel like i addressed a lot of those issues after that um that feedback but uh yeah it was really (laughs) it was i'm curious to know like you know and i'm sure we'll get to this in a little bit but just right now since we're talking about it and getting feedback and working on your screenplay over all these years you've gotten a lot of feedback and you've written a lot of drafts do you still have the same love for your screenplay that you did when you first started and or and has that changed and evolved you like it even better now do you think it's gotten stronger yeah i think it's gotten better and i still love it i mean it's still got a long way to go i think um yeah there's i'm I'm working on a draft what will it ever be done oh i don't mean when we shoot it it will be um (laughs) yeah but not until then and it could it'll probably be changing up until the moment we shoot each individual scene you know um because that's just how it goes but uh but yeah i i uh i'm working a draft now which i think is gonna you know kind of do away with some of the major issues from the previous draft so that's one of my goals is to finish that this week so i can get that um, ready for the table read that we're doing in February. Um, but I'm sort of jumping ahead. I want to kind of stay more focused and like, um, yeah, go step, know, by go, step. go step by step. So um, be, for the people that don't know about this movie, can you give us uh, a log line or a basic synopsis of the film? All right. So I've had a lot of different log lines over the years. And each time I got like coverage through the blacklist, um, they would provide their own log line, or the reader did, and I, and I had three uh, sets of feedback from black, the blacklist. And so I have a bunch of different ones, but I think this is the one I like the most. And this is like, probably I change it a little bit when I actually put it in documents, but this is one of the blacklist lo- reader log lines that I liked. So it says, struggling filmmaker Jake sees a glitch in one of his files, but when he projects it onto his wall, it becomes a mysterious portal that leads to an alternate world where his dreams have come true. The only problem? 
there's an alternate Jake there too, and only one of them can have the perfect life. Cool. Yeah. I think the one that I actually use is more like struggling filmmaker Jake discovers a portal to an alternate dimension where all his dreams have come true. After finding that his alternate self is cheating on the perfect version of his wife, he decides to take the life he always deserved. Yeah, you always, that, that life he always deserved is something that you've been telling me since we've been talking about it (laughs) which to me seems like a huge component of this yeah i like it too because i think it's sort of leading and i mean you know in a a synopsis log line i don't know how much people take away from that but that's sort of i think an important part of it and then i'm not sure if this is the synopsis that i have in other materials but this is what i have written down here i don't think i use this but i'm just gonna read it anyways <laughs> and you could actually i'd love your feedback on this if you think this is a useful synopsis or not okay what if you were given the life you've always wanted the perfect family the perfect career and plenty of money would you keep it jake barnes a cameraman it says hapless cameraman. I really don't like that. Hapless. <laughs> What's the hapless cameraman? I don't know. I think like, <laughs> I think there's a better verb there. Like, uh, you know, downtrodden. I don't know. Yeah, Downtrodden cameraman mm-hmm. married to Chris, a woman he doesn't connect with, discovers a portal into another world. In this alternate dimension, he has the perfect wife, the son he never had, and the filmmaking career of his dreams. Jake quickly discovers that the alternate Jake is cheating on the perfect version of his wife. And while all Jake is on a business trip, Jake moves in and takes alternate Jake's place. The the alternate is about the privileged culture we live in now where everyone thinks they deserve their dreams, even even if they don't work for them. So, yeah, I think I don't really say it that blatantly in a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, in my uh, pitch book, but that's sort of a, a basic synopsis that I've had written down for a long time. I think that's great. Oh, you like it? Yeah, I like it a lot. Okay, cool. Maybe I should start using it more. Um, I think it's like in a treatment somewhere. I don't know. So yeah, so that's the logline in the synopsis. And then one of our um, listeners, um, Farron, who started listening with the Gordy podcast, uh, he asked me some questions and I thought they were actually really good and, and really... I think useful for this episode. So one of the ones he wanted to know was like, why am I making this movie? Like why out of all movies to make, why is it this one? And I think it's because, you know, when I wrote it originally, I was working on a different movie idea. I was working on a more direct feature from my first short strange thing. So it was like more about a monster and an alien kind of invasion sort of thing, or like an alien stranded on, on earth and causing havoc. And then, you know, these two sisters had to take it down. Basically that was like this movie I was writing. It's like attack the block. Basically, Oakland attacked the block with, like, hipster sisters, basically. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it it was great. I mean, I love it. But, I I mean, I was basically realized what you were saying about your other scripts, that, like, there's no way this can be my first feature. Like, this is, like, a $10 million movie at best. Like, there's no way that I can can make this. So, like, why am I writing this, basically? And I had made a deal with a friend of mine – that by a certain date in March of 2014, I would have a script completely completed script ready to go. And if I didn't, I either had to pay him $500 or run a marathon with him that day. And my friend <laughs> runs like he, he just ran his first a hundred mile race last year. So this guy can run a marathon like, Anytime you could, he just do it, you know, like no problem. It was a week before it was due and I hadn't, I was like, I had just decided basically that I couldn't finish the strange thing draft. And so I was like laying on my bed. I was freaking out. I was like, what the hell? I can't even run an idea. And then I guess basically 
I was going back to like the basic idea of the portal and like the alternate, like like going through the portal and what's on the other side. And I was thinking about like what could be on the other side of the portal and if it was something more simple. And then like just thought about, oh, what what if it was a different version of the character's life? And then I think I came up with the ending first, basically, or like what would happen in the end of this sort of, you know, idea of like going into the perfect version of your life. And then I just got hooked and I wrote the the last scene first. And then I wrote the uh, beat sheet, basically, like or an outline. And it took me like about two days of just writing straight. And I came up with pretty much the whole story. And then after that, like five days later, I had a, a finished screenplay and that was the first draft done like in March, 2014. Wow. And it was like 128 pages, like really long. And did you give it to your friend to read? Oh yeah. Yeah. He gave me notes. He really liked it. He read it in like two hours. He loved it. And then I went and bought him a steak dinner as a thank you, <laughs> you know, for uh, helping me reach my steaks. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that was really great. But then since then, it's changed so much. Like it's gotten a lot different. Like I think back in the original draft, like there was hardly any other characters, maybe even no other characters besides just Jake and alternate Jake and Chris and alternate Chris. I don't even know if there was a friend in that early version. Maybe there was a friend, but man, I went through so many different changes, especially Chris changed a lot. Like originally she was just, this evil, terrible woman in the original world, just like the classic, like <laughs> nagging, terrible, mean wife, you know? Oh, yeah. And then in the other version, she was super sweet and nice and wonderful. And I think I've worked hard to try to bring her around to make her more dimensioned, you yeah. know, and like not just um, a caricature, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and more of a real character. So that was like a big change. But yeah, I mean, I think the reason to answer the question, like, why do I feel compelled to tell this story? I think it's because it it's really, I really relate to it a lot. I mean, you know, it's sort of based on, on my life or not sort of, it's directly based on my life as a videographer, dreaming of, of a bigger life as a filmmaker. And especially like even to some degree, like a life I don't really understand. Like I don't really know what this dream looks like that I have, but I just have this dream. So I think that part of the character I really like a lot. And that whole idea of like having this, this thing that you're striving for. And then I just dumped like all like the worst like things onto the character and like made him like lazy and not as, you know, uh, hardworking and not as focused and just like changed his morals a little bit. So it's not really about actually doing, being a filmmaker. It's more like about the title of, and, and the wealth or whatever he, all the good things he would imagine that would come with that dream. And so when he sees those things in the other world, that's what he he's attracted to. But yeah, I think it just, it just speaks to me. And I think even more so, like after almost four years of working on this thing, um, I'm still really excited about it and I still love it. And so I think that alone is enough reason to make me really, really connect to the material and really want to make it, you know? And then his next question, mm-hmm. unless you had something to add to that. Let, us, let me hear his next question because it might be the same one I just have. He says, is the script where you want it to be? Oh, interesting. Yeah, is it? And no, not not yet. <laughs> <laughs> After 12 drafts, it's still not there. But I mean... Well, let me, um, let's rewind back to 2014 for a second. Sure, I'm sure. thinking about like between then and now, was there any point where you thought it was ready to go shoot and then you d- decided not to and why? 
No. I mean, I had people tell me, like on draft two or three, that it was ready to go and that we should just start start making this movie. But I never really felt that way about it. You know, I still thought that there was more to do. But I think the biggest thing was in 2014, I didn't understand like what needed to happen in order for the movie to get made. Like I just thought that, you know, someone would see my short film that I had just released online, or though I hadn't even released it yet. I was still going to film festivals in 2014. I don't think I released it till 2015 online. So I was still like in the film festival circuit with strange things. I guess I thought that, oh yeah, like I'll meet somebody and I'll have this script ready to go and they'll want to read it. And then, you know, we'll be off to make this movie. Like I'll get into like a bigger film festival and boom, bam, boom, we'll be done, you know, or, oh, I'll make this brother movie and brother will do well. And same thing, like, oh, off to the the races with the feature, you know, but. So as any, any of your short films at festivals or online led to somebody writing you and saying, I saw your short film and I want to read a feature. Send me something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That has happened. Tell us about that. Yeah. I got an email from a guy who was representing a film equity fund and was looking for projects, had seen Strange Thing and wanted to know if uh, I had anything to send. And I did. It was, this was probably in 2016, I think, or maybe, maybe early 2017. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Here you go. <laughs> Here's the script. And then, you know, nothing, nothing at all. And then maybe, uh, three months later, I follow up again and he was like, Oh yeah, actually send me the script, please. Like, cause I think I just sent the, the, pitch book first you know and then i followed up with him again like three months after that or whatever and i haven't heard anything so yeah oh, it's man. like the dream emails come in and then you know <laughs> nothing nothing happens, nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly so in 2014 when you wrote this what was the budget that you had in your head oh i i think i just had thought like i think under five hundred thousand or even less than that probably mm-hmm. like well under two hundred thousand just something that, that like I could make, you know, SAG ultra low budget and spend the least amount of money on, you know, I think that was the idea. And did you think that the money was going to come from somebody that was interested in you as a filmmaker was going to help you find it like a producer or a, a production company or something like that? Yeah, I guess I thought I would find a producer who wanted to champion the project or a production company who would see it and be like, oh, yeah, we have a slate. We're trying to fill our slate, you know, with films like, oh, we we need to make X amount of like, uh, you know, low budget movies like, oh, yeah, this sounds perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, like that kind of situation. It's like no brainer. You have a script. It's a great script. <laughs> right. You don't need that much money. Let's just go do it. But what I've learned is that um, those production companies, like they're not, they're not going to go with someone they don't know. Like they're going to go with people they're either referred to um, by friends of theirs or people they know in the business, or they're going to go with projects they already have or they've acquired, or they're going to work with people that are somehow in their network. They're not going to just. You know, some guy who made a short film, unless it's like winning Sundance or, you know, at South by Southwest or something that's super hot about it, like gets a million a hit, million hits or something like, not, you know, those are the kinds of things that need to happen in order for some outside entity to, to like really be excited about you. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, they're not going to just want to do your movie just because they love the story. I mean... Get, getting people to read a script is like hard enough, you know? <laughs> well, how did like, you figure this out? Cause I know a lot of this came from doing the podcast. I know you've been to AFM with your, your script. You've done paid pitches on stage 32. 
What other steps have you taken since 2014 to get this made, and why did they not work out? Well, I don't really feel like I really tried very hard in 2014 or even 2015. I think back then I still sort of thought it would just kind of happen more naturally and that like I would win a contest or I would submit my script to this thing or that thing or whatever or meet somebody. Like I, I think in... Maybe it was 2015 or no, it probably was 2014. Like I met with um, some producer at Zoetrope, um, American Zoetrope, because I had a connection there through the old boss from the the Francis Ford Coppola movie I worked on. So Uh I was in LA. I had coffee with her because I was there for a film festival. And then I asked if there was someone I could meet. And then she passed me over to a producer over at American Zoetrope and he sat down with me and I kind of felt like, Oh yeah, like this will be great. Like he'll, he'll tell me how to make my movie now, you know? And, um, he basically said like, cause he's also on the board of their screenplay contest. So his advice was like, submit to the screenplay contest. Like I read the top 10 entries and they're usually 50% to 60% garbage, like unreadable garbage. So I'm sure your script is better than that. Just, you know, get to the top 10 and then, you know, no problem. (laughs) And, you know, obviously it's not that easy to get to the top 10, (laughs) even if you have a good script, because there's so many readers to get through and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, he told me a story about how life after Beth uh, was made with that Aubrey Plaza's zombie movie. Oh yeah, the zombie movie, huh? And basically it was like, I mean, I think his friend had written the script and it was, he had written, co-written one other movie. Um, I think, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, it was like a whimsical, like indie drama sort of thing. And, uh, and yeah, and he never directed a movie before. But, um, you know, the producer I talked to was like, I really believed in my friend. I really thought he could do it. And I really love this, this script that he wrote. So yeah, I just gave him a shot, you know? And then, uh, and later in the conversation, he's like, and he was dating Aubrey Plaza at the time. So, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that I'm starting to see how this kind of comes together. So you're saying get a famous girlfriend and, uh, <laughs> be friends with you. And then I'll get my movie made. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Easier Thanks. said than done. Yeah. No problem. Let's mm-hmm. do it. So I kind of walked away from that sort of under, like with an, another new understanding of like how these things work and that it's not just going to be like, oh yeah, send your script to this person that you're connected yeah. to and done and done. No. And it's did like, you take his advice and enter screenplay competitions? Oh, I did. Yeah. I entered that one. I re I like worked really hard on the rewrite of the movie at that time, which I think was like draft four or something or three and uh, sent it in. Of course, didn't even get to the, to the, you know, semifinals or quarterfinals or anything, you know, nothing. And I've, I think I've submitted to that contest, like maybe three times since then, or two times at least. And yeah, you know, never got, not gotten far with it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, these contests are just hard and I'm not, I'm not like, I don't look at when I get rejected from a contest that, oh my God, like the script's terrible. It's more just like, nah, it's contests, man. It's just a tough, it's a tough market with those things. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and then 2016, what happened in 2016? Basically that was the year where I was like, okay, I need to get more serious about making this movie. I made the rage in 2016. That was the year that movie was shot. Oh, right. And then I don't think I really did much on it from like, I would say the spring and the summer, but in the fall, I like got really serious about it again. I was like, look, I need to really start on this. And that's when I started rewriting it more and, and really 
putting more energy into the, the movie because I think I just got really burnt out after, you know, around January or April. Like I had been doing a bunch of rewrites and I think we had worked on a re- on some rewrites together at that point. And yeah. I think it just got into this thing where I just couldn't really understand how to make it better. And I was you got like, lost really, in the yeah, just really frustrated with it <laughs> and just didn't really know what to do. And I was like, you know what? I just need to step away. So I just yeah. didn't work on it for a while. And then in the fall, I was like, it's time. Like I need to just do this. And that's when I did all the, um, the, the, you know, the stage 32 and roadmap, roadmap writers, um, pitches. And that sort of like recharged the whole project. And then I started to raise money or that was when I first started to raise money and I started to email people and I didn't call yet. I was just emailing, which I learned later is not the way to do it. You have to call if you want people to take you seriously. And so I uh, got rejected from uh, the people who I thought would, would definitely help me all said no, um, except my parents. So they put in a little <laughs> bit of money. That was like my first money in basically at the beginning of 2017. Well, you so know. Yeah, let's go back to that for a second. So you had kind of a list of people that you thought would give you some money to help get your film made. Right. And right. in your head where you're like, these, these people are for sure. Like there's no way they're going to say no. Pre- pretty much. Like I thought that they would at least put a little bit in, you yeah. know? Um, and they and, all said no, except for your parents. Or they didn't get back to me at all. They completely ignored me or oh, they said man. no. Um, yeah. I feel like I, I have some of the same <laughs> ideas in my head where I'm like, yeah, no problem. I can raise this much money because I'm going to reach out to this and this and this person. But I'm I'm sure I'm going to re- run into the same problems as you where just because I think someone's going to give me money doesn't mean they actually will. So that's the beginning of 2017. And then I like did a bunch of rewrites in, in January because I had just gotten all that feedback from the roadmap writers. And so then I think January like 18th like 2017 that's like the last finished draft and that was the one that i was like really proud of and then at that point i just started sending it out to to anyone that would that would read it basically and just start really pushing it at that point yeah and post it up on your website yeah yeah i don't i think actually for the longest time that draft wasn't i think an earlier draft from 2016 was up there for a long time because i realized that even the most recent feedback I had gotten was uh, on an older draft. And I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> so I, after I got that, I, I, I just reloaded it the other day. So now it is the most current on my website. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty funny. But anyways, so then in early 2017, that's when I started to really, you know, getting serious about things. And so I got my lawyer, got got in contact with him and then hired him in I think May officially. Why was a lawyer your first step? Because I had actually started to raise money and I didn't want I had tried making contracts of my own for investors earlier in like 2016 and I had even sent them to this couple of people but then they came back with like all these questions on it and like all these like concerns about like what the contract meant and so I was like well fuck dude I can't just make my own contract this is stupid like this isn't <laughs> yeah. a real thing like I need to if I really want to be taken seriously I really need to do it the right way so then I was like well if I am actually meeting with these people and they're actually going to invest money I better you know get serious because I think it was also in 2017 in the beginning of that year like in March or even February when I I gotten my first like $5,000 you know investment you know uh-huh. like commitment basically so I was like okay 
Like this is, that's a lot of money, you know, like I need to actually, you know, get serious and get my, my lawyer together. And then that's when I got my lawyer stuff. And then I went and met with my next big investor and then they actually said yes. And they put in another $5,000 investment. So I was like, fuck, okay, this is going really well. Like my first (laughs) few are great. Like this is not going to be so hard. I'll get to 50,000 by AFM. No problem. You know, you just need five people. And then after that, like it was, you know, just really like even like more of the same like you know I would get someone to agree to meet with me for lunch and then uh, they were a person who I thought would definitely invest and then they're like no I can't do it right now and then you know I always ask oh yeah well can I come back later and, and you know and bug you again in a year or six months and they always say yes you know so it was just really slow going and then we did all those commercials last year in the summer yeah. and all that work, and that was a huge distraction. And so then, basically, oh yeah, for me too. I didn't. I haven't worked. I didn't work <laughs> on my screenplay for like six months. The, that whole like last half of last year. Right. So then it was like to August when I started meeting with people again and picked up my list and started making those phone calls and you know, got a couple more meetings and they didn't go very well. And I was really hoping. I think at that point I was around. $12,000 raised. And so I was trying to get to like 25 by AFM, but then it was just really clear that it didn't happen. And I got to like, you know, a little, like around 15 basically. And then that's sort of just where I've been stuck since is at that number, which is like really, you know, just a, proving to be not enough. Like it seems like you need to bring more to the table than that amount. If people are going to really look at it as the first money in quote unquote, mm-hmm. like you really need to have a larger percentage of the budget. I mean, if I was making the movie for under $50,000, I think then that would be different. But since right. I'm aiming higher, it's like, just you a, know, yeah. A small a, chunk of change. Just a fraction basically. Yeah. So for all, all these stories, like, cause you, you mentioned earlier that you started talking about the alternate on episode 15. Some of there's like more detail in some of these steps and stories in individual episodes. So in the show notes, are you going to include the name of the episode and kind of what yeah. you talked about in each one? Yeah. I have a little, a little brief, like little tag of, uh, what was talked about in the episode. I don't have timestamps or anything. You guys can just like, you know, you can scroll through, scrub <laughs> yeah. through and find it. So if there's it. anything that Ulrich just said that you guys are interested in hearing more about, then you can go back and listen to that episode and get yeah. some more information. Cause yeah, there's a ton. There's still like, there's like, there's a whole episode just on those paid pitches, which is pretty awesome. Everyone yeah. should go listen to that. Cause it is pretty fascinating to hear how you prepared for that, hear your actual pitch. And then what came out of it. Right. And then AFM was a big deal too. Cause that, and yeah. especially when you're talking about like what came, what, what made you come to the decision that it doesn't work this way. Like AFM was a big eye opener for that too. And meeting with these production companies and sort of hearing things from that was just like four months ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of new knowledge, I guess, in a lot of ways, <laughs> just hearing the way that they approach things. And, you know, they're kind of in the similar position that we are. Like, they're just trying to raise money, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard for everybody to raise money. Like, I met with a production company in Los Angeles, um, you know, a couple of few weeks ago, and I was talking about this investor meeting I had coming up. And they were like, oh, well, you know, if you uh, want to do a co-production, you could just mention our movie in with your <laughs> thing, too. And yeah. yeah, you know, maybe you could be a producer on it. It's just like, oh, my gosh, everyone's having a hard time. No one knows where the investors are, or how to raise money. It's, it's just a tough thing. You know, it's just really tough. Probably like right person, right Exactly. Time. Luck, you know, determination, just... Being in the right place. So before we talk about what you're doing currently, 
just looking into the future, how much longer are you willing to keep looking for money on this thing before you just completely give up? Will you ever stop? I have a whole system. So basically my 2018 plan, I have certain deadlines. So I don't really want to say what the budget of, of my movie is and what I'm aiming because it's changed a bit, um, you know, in the last few months or last month, I guess. But um, let's just say like by March, I have to have something under $100,000 raised, like, you know, in that realm. And that's like what I need to hit. So if I'm not at that number by March, I'm going to be in a little bit of trouble. And then by June, I basically need to double that number. And so if I'm not there by that number by June, then it's going to be looking pretty tough to meet my budget that I have set to shoot in October or not October, but like in the fall in general, basically. But what I've been talking to my producer about is that we would much rather prefer to shoot in May or between May and July, basically, because if we can shoot in the earlier part of the, of the year, then we'll get, be ready for the film festivals in the fall. Like that would be so much better that rather than having to wait a year to like submit to Sundance and to submit to South by Southwest and the bigger film festivals. And not to say that we think we can get into Sundance or, you know, or whatever, but you know, we just want to submit. If, if we're going to submit to South by Southwest in the fall, we might as well submit to Sundance in the fall too. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So that's the new thing is that if we can move a little bit faster and get ready by early summer, that would be so much better. And from my producer's standpoint, like what he's telling me is that in order to get the movie ready to be shot, that he needs a 90 day runway. So if we raise the money, let's say in April and we get our, our minimum amount, our shooting budget basically, then, you know, 90 days from there. So like, you know, middle of uh, June, basically we'll be ready to shoot, gotcha. you know? So and does he need full funding in order to start shooting? Oh, you know, well, he's a little bit more conservative than other people I've talked to. Like some people are like, yeah, just get like, you know, half your shooting budget or whatever, this or that. And then like start making offers to actors. And once you get the actors on, then boom, 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 you'll be ready to like, you can raise the rest of the money in three months. No problem. Just shoot your, just set your dates far enough in advance where you'll have that time to raise that money. But, um, he's more conservative. Like he, he wants to have 75% of the, of the budget raised of the total budget raised, like forget the shooting budget, like of a whole thing before he's willing to make offers to actors. Um, gotcha. So the 90-day runway includes uh, casting. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we know we may, if we go after certain actors and they're not available until a little bit later, we, we would decide like, okay, we'll wait to shoot with that person or this person or whatever, you know. You just try to get it done the best way we can. And I mean, if it has to be later in the year and that we don't submit to film festivals until 2019, like so be it, you know, that's just, that's the way it is. Yeah. But the other thing that I've been learning from my producer and from other people is that the premiere is really important for a feature and that'll determine in a lot of ways like the better the, the the distribution deal you'll get so if you are able to premiere at south by southwest or sundance or tribeca or like one of the really big film festivals like the chances of getting a minimum guarantee deal is like way higher than if you you know even premiere at cinequest or slam dance right. which are still big film festivals but they just don't have the clout that the other ones do, you know? Yeah, right. So it, it just sort of feels well, like... Probably because like the films that premiere at like South by Southwest or some of those bigger festivals get written about more than a film that premieres at Cinequest. 
You know, Santa right. Quest might get written in San Jose, but it's not going to end up in a bunch of trade papers. Right, exactly. And then, you know, like like to me, like the Austin Film Festival in the fall, like that sounds like, oh my God, I would kill to, to you know, premiere there. Or, you know, at, at Fantasia or this and that other film festival. But, you know, talking to my producer who's played at all these film festivals with his other movies, he's like, no, you you don't want to premiere there. You want to premiere at these three, <laughs> these three or four, you know? And it's, so it's like, geez, well, that just sounds like, if we if we miss it this year, then we would just perfect it in post and get it ready for the next year's submission. Twenty twenty, yeah, that sounds the, so far away. Hey, man, that's that's the world. That's the world that I live in. That's um, the world that feature filmmakers live in. Right, <laughs> these these things take forever. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about that. I mean, I'd prefer, obviously if we could raise the money sooner. Like, oh my gosh, like I would much prefer to shoot soon like in may or june and just get on with this thing and get it get it done right you know but i mean if it has to be you know late fall this year or even early 2019 i mean you know so be it but i'm i'm basically at this point like you're saying like how long am i going to be willing to to be trying to raise the money i i need to shoot this movie this year or or early next year so it's like if i don't let's say i don't get to my goals and i don't get to raise the money and i'm still in the same kind of position i am now i'm just going to make it for $50,000 or whatever I can. Yeah. Um, Would your producer bail? The fall. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. So you'd have <laughs> to do it on your own. Yeah. I would lose everything. Yeah. I would, um, I would just do it on my own. I would, my lawyer, I mean, I would, that would be money wasted. Um, you know, my producer would be gone. Yeah. I would just do it on my own. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but I mean, I just have to get this movie done. Like I can't be working on it forever and ever and ever. Like there's other stories to be told. There's other things to be done, done with my career. And I mean, I really want to get my feature film career started and I, I just don't really see it happening any other way besides just making this movie, you know? Because mm-hmm. if so, you stopped making this movie and like went to go make something else, you'd have to start over from scratch, write another script, because you don't have anything else waiting, right? Right. I have some ideas and I have some things, but yeah. That's basically, not the same as having a script, though. Right. I don't have a, a, a ready script, or at least not one that I think is, you know, good enough to to shoot right now, you know? Um but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's other opportunities. There's other things I could do. I could say, oh, forget the alternate and I'll just go try to write another movie and, you know, try to make it for X amount of dollars or whatever. But I just need to see this thing through. Like, I've been working on it so long. Like, I think it would it would be like what you're saying with the artifice, right? Like, if you didn't finish it, um, you'd be going backwards. So yeah. it's almost like if I didn't make the alternate, like, I'd be going backwards. So I just need to make it on, you know... Some so one way or another, basically. Um, so, what are you doing now? Like, what what does your kind of weekly schedule look like in getting this film off the ground? Well, I have you know meetings and phone calls all the time. So, I had a meeting last week mm-hmm. um, that you know went really well, but then I just found out that um, you know uh, then not that they're not not that they're out, but they're they're just not in now basically are you talking about meetings with people to invest in your film with investors yeah so it's all yeah. about fundraising at this point mostly i mean not you doing all. any rewriting yeah are you putting together lists of actors or any yeah. other kind of pre-production stuff i've already done all that um with the actors you know i've been doing that for a long time that's been going on since 
like 2015 probably or even 2014 putting actors list together but yeah i redid it recently with uh my producer's help so i have a new set of actors on there i still kept my anthony mackie dream alive he's still on my list but uh there's a bunch of other actors on there now too and then the other things that are happening, yeah, rewriting, I'm doing that now. I am working on a mood reel to go with my pitch book with uh, my composer that I've officially signed on to the project. So she's already made a little sample theme for the movie, which I really like a lot, like really sounds great. So I'm taking that theme and I'm, I've took a bunch of clips from a bunch of different movies and I'm working on this mood reel, which is like way, way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, (laughs) really hard to make something flow well and feel interesting and feel like it's a story, even though it's just a bunch of clips from a bunch of different movies. It's really hard to figure out like how to tell your story or tell a story, even if it's just like an emotional story in that format. So I'm doing, working on that. I'm continuing to find my department heads my my keys basically who do you have on lined up right now got my dp jason josepher got my producer i've got an executive producer i have a casting director i have a composer and that's it so the the things i feel like i'm missing are like a production designer Mm -hmm. i i probably know who i'm going to use for my special effects makeup and i could probably add them to my my pitch book if i wanted to but you know there's only like two or three practical special effect makeup things in the movie. So it's almost not even worth it, I think. But, mm-hmm. you know. And have you committed to shooting this in the Bay Area? Yeah, that's part of our plan is to shoot it here just for a variety of reasons, for the crew connections I have. And um, because, you know, if you bring actors from Los Angeles to San Francisco, then that's like a more desirable place for them to you know, be while they're making a movie, then, you know, if we were to go to like some somewhere else, basically, unless we were to go to Los Angeles. But I think that doesn't seem to be on my producer's, um, you know, radar or my radar. So I think we're just going to stay and shoot here in the Bay Area. Have you guys talked about it? Because if you shot in Los Angeles, asking an actor to commute from their home to set every day is easier than asking them to like go up to San Francisco for right. however long you need them. But for. the location costs are insane. Mm-hmm. Like that it's so much harder to find a location in Los Angeles. So I think that's the reason why we're, we're sort of staying away from it. But I mean, I haven't, I haven't pushed him on it. I haven't been like, Hey, what about shooting in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. But I think we've just always thought that we wanted to shoot it here, you know, but Hey, maybe it's worth having that conversation just to hear what he has to say about it. You know, maybe he has some experience with that, but it yeah. sounds like he's shot like everywhere, but Los Angeles, like oh, he really? just, he goes, goes to other areas to get the tax credits, you know, and uh, d- does it yeah. that way. And remind me what movies he's produced before. So he executive produced the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes in 2003 mm-hmm. and 2005. And then, um, yeah, he's done a bunch of horror movies. He did uh, The Night Watchman, uh, Holy Ghost People. He did a movie called, well, Ping Pong Summer. That's not a horror movie. That's like an indie drama. But that was one of the ones. I think that went to Sundance, I believe, um, and had Susan Sarandon in it. And then he did, yeah, a bunch of other horror movies. And I think anywhere from this budget to like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple million. And you said you had an executive producer on your film. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. So, you you know Marcella, um, who listens to the podcast. What's up, Marcella? Yeah, she was the EP on Over My Dead Body. Yeah. So, one of the things I left out 
is like she's been working with me since probably I don't know 2016 maybe maybe is that when we first started talking about it and she wanted to be involved yeah maybe I think it was like maybe mid 2016 because she went to AFM that year and so we were talking about it and you know figuring things out since then and then you know, she's just been helping with the project and I never really attached her on the project officially until now, just because I heard from a lot of people that you don't, if you're trying to find a producer or production company, you don't want to be bogged down with producers on the project already because it'll make it look less attractive to bring in a new team. But now that I have my producer, it's like, oh yeah, I can bring, I can have her on officially as an executive producer. Yeah. And what's her role as executive producer? Well, she, she did invest some into the movie. So that's one thing. And then um, she's helping me connect with my investors so the investor meeting i had last week was through her contacts basically okay cool she's helping with that and you know also just helping with notes and feedback like you know she's read most of a lot of the drafts of the script including the most recent one and then she's um also like looked at the pitch books that i've done and given feedback on that and you know, helps me with all kinds of uh, this more businessy style stuff, you know, cause she's like been, you know, been a professional in like the startup world for many, many years. So I just feel like she's like a good person to um, help with those kinds of things, especially in talking to investors who are like, you know, in her same kind of demographic yeah. and, and, and from her same world too. Right. Like, like she understands how they think and, you know, what they would be interested in and what they wouldn't be interested in, that kind of thing. So are you able to talk about any of the meetings you've had over the last two weeks? Didn't you have like a meeting in Los Angeles too? Uh, yeah. So I had a couple meetings in LA. They weren't really as investor meetings as much as like, I don't know, I, I, I've somehow got... Um, connected to a vice president of development at a production company through a friend in Los Angeles. That's cool. And so I had a meeting with her when I was there and that was really fun and interesting. And I pitched her the script, you know, at a coffee shop and she really liked it. She had a lot of notes and lots of thoughts. Um, but I haven't sent her the, the script yet. I wanted to do a rewrite and, because I, I think I'll only get one read out of her and I, I don't want to like waste it on the not the not best draft basically. Yeah. Um, but like her job is to read scripts. Like she reads scripts all day, every day for her co- production company. And I had looked at their credits and what they had done. And it looked like everything was two to $5 million movies, like in, in mostly action and thrillers. And then I had asked her about that, like what she was looking for now. And she said, no, no, like we've, we've changed our, our approach. Now we're looking for million and under movies and 10 million and over movies. Oh, so wow. that's like the, 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 two categories that, so that she's weird. focusing on such a huge gap it makes sense in a lot of ways because i think like you know when you're in that two to five like you don't have enough as much money to spend on talent as you'd want mm-hmm. you know if you want really really a ton of talent and then and then all the money goes to the actors and not enough of it goes on screen so i think when you're over 10 then you get to put more to the actors and more on screen. I mean, that's just, I'm just making that up, but I mean, that, that seems reasonable. I don't know. Um, and then the, the million under, it's like now you're keeping your costs low enough where you can, you know, get a better return on the, on the project. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? Anyways. Are they investing in projects under a million or they're just looking for things that are already done 
under a no, million. No, no, to make movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's reading scripts. Yeah. That's really cool. To 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 go into development. I was just yeah. trying to look up to see what the uh budget of Super Dark Times was. Did you see that movie? No. Is it good? I saw it this weekend and it's like I love the way it's shot and the vibe of it. I didn't really love the story, but it's a really it's a cool indie film. Mm, and it's released nice. by the Orchard. Oh, cool. Which I've seen so many movies released by The Orchard now after talking to Liz Manichel. Like yeah. Now I'm seeing The Orchard everywhere. I was like, wow, these guys are like super legit. Yeah. Remember me that I worked on is uh, released by The Orchard too. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was really happy for them when they got that deal because that's a good company from what I've heard. So yeah, back to the things I could be doing now. You know, I could make a mock schedule for the shoot, which I think, you know... I'd rather like bring a an AD on to help me with that, but you know I could do it myself and then have that to hand to to an AD. But I was gonna actually call my preferred AD and ask him like, hey, like if I made a mock schedule, would that be helpful for you, or that would that just be like a waste of my energy and like you're just gonna make your own schedule when you see the script anyways. And to sort of see what he had to say about that. You know, my producer is going to keep on revising the budget. Like I have a budget that I've been w- running with for a while, but he's going to rework it and come up with a, a couple different budget options, basically, depending on how much money we end up raising. Like one of the questions that Farron had asked was like, do I have a shot list yet or whatever? And I mean, I could start working on that with my DP now, but... I just think it's too early. Like you, you really want to see the locations before you can really start thinking about shots. Cause like you could start thinking about all kinds of shots you want to do, but then if you get a location that doesn't work for that shot, you're going to redo it anyway. So it's almost seems <laughs> yeah. like you might and as you well just wait. you guys aren't going to look for locations until that 90 day runway. I thought about start starting to do that now, but that's what my producer's advising me. He's saying, don't waste my time searching for locations until we have the budget, just because like, you know, locations are very fluid things and they're going to change. You might find the perfect location that's available now, but won't be available in October or whenever we end up shooting, you know? So he's like, don't, don't worry about it. Just work on these things, like focus on this, you know, Mm -hmm. which now is like really just trying to find more investors to pitch more people who are interested in becoming part of the project. Cause my producer goes, is going to go on these pitches with me now. If, uh, if, if he's able to. So that's a really valuable thing for me. Um, especially when you're speaking to people who are interested in, in investing more money because he really has the answers to all their questions. And I mean, in, in our, our pitch meeting on Tuesday, um, I mean, I hardly talked at all. Like he did 90% of the talking because they were the one, they were asking him all the questions and all the questions they asked, like, were the ones that he could answer. They weren't, they weren't creative questions. They weren't about the story or the characters or any of the creative stuff. It was all about the business. And it was <laughs> yeah. sort of like humbling in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, what am I, like, like the movie basically right. doesn't even really matter. It's like more, it's all the business, all the numbers. Like, that's what people care about. Are they asking about, like, how are you going to get name actors in this or, how yeah, are you going to get like, distribution? What kind like of actors can we get? And, you know, what's the distribution plan? And what what is typical for a movie like this? Mm-hmm. And why is this movie, 
you know, why are you working on this movie? And what, you know, all these kinds of questions, you know, to your producer. Yeah, basically. They don't care about like what, what it means personally to you. I mean, I talked a little bit about that. Sure. Um, but it was definitely <laughs> not the focus of the, of the, the evening, you know, one of the guys d- didn't even really like those kinds of movies at all, but he just liked my producer and liked the, the business of it and, and the whole, just the whole experience sounded cool to him. So he was like willing to, to be involved, you know, but yeah, it was the other one who I just heard back from yesterday. Who's, you know, is not a no, but it's just like an, you know, a kind of a no for now. He's the one who like really (laughs) responded to the story more and like really was into it and like likes these kinds of movies, you know? Okay. So I was really like kind of hopeful that he was gonna, you know, be interested in, in joining on now, but I guess, you know, it's not, I mean, I feel like it's not an, an complete, it's not like it's over. It's just like, you know, you got to keep on talking to him and, you know, keep him up to date and mm-hmm. maybe get another meeting and, you know, just see what happens. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. The other thing I'm doing is, uh, there's a fundraising event for another movie, movie my producer's working on in Tahoe this weekend. So I'm going to go help him with some technical stuff for the screening that he's doing. Uh, for the fundraiser. And then, you know, I'll be in a room with a bunch of people who are interested in investing in this, this documentary. So maybe I'll meet somebody there. Who knows who I can, who can be my next meeting? I don't know. We'll see. So it sounds like your main focus right now is rewriting the screenplay and finding money. Basically. Yeah. And then continuing to work on my materials. You know, I've got, um, Lucas Coleshaw, who listens to the show, is helping me with some art. So he actually, just um, turned in a really, really beautiful um, piece of concept art for the movie, which like I got to put into the pitch book before my meeting last week, which was really cool. And he's uh, working on a poster now. So I'm hoping like that's going to help like elevate the book a lot because I think my poster that I made is, is nice and all, but it's like, you know, it's definitely a little janky. And I think, you know, he's a professional, so his poster will look a lot better. Um, and then, yeah, we've got the table read coming up on fe- in February on the Saturday the 17th, which I believe is going to be a live cast Facebook um, live cast event, live stream. Well, let's talk about, so I, I think the table read idea just came out of me just brainstorming on what we can do on the podcast to make it interesting. And since we've been talking about this project so long, I thought it would be good for <laughs> right. listeners to like actually hear your screenplay. That right. They can go to your website and download it and read it. But since this is podcast format, I thought it'd be fun to like read it out loud. But right. that's that was the initial kernel of the idea. But now do you see some usefulness and just oh, doing yeah. a table read? Like what's, I guess I'm asking what's the goal of our table read? So table oh. read the 17th what do you hope to get out of it i hope to find the problems that i can't see myself and i hope to hear from the audience that i hope will be there like what works for them and what doesn't work for them in the story and like what what are they what 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 are they responding to um either positively or negatively and you know how can i um, either, you know, eliminate the negative things and, and bolter up, bolster up the positive things. Um, and then just find the, the voice of the characters a little bit better and hearing it and come out of the, of actors, I think will be really valuable, you know? And I mean, I could just go with the script that I have now and have them read that draft, but I feel like I really want to try to rewrite it before, um, 
the the table read just because I think that'll be really useful because then I'll I'll get to hear that and then maybe what I change in this next draft will be bad and then I'll go back to you know what I some different things I had in the other drafts you know <laughs> yeah. so I just think that that would be the best thing for the movie if I got that table read done uh, this rewrite done the table read a rewrite and then that rewrite be like the one that I send to agents and actors when we raise our money and we have, um, and we can start making offers to actors yeah. uh, or I just do it on my own. Cause basically my casting director, she's not willing to um, send scripts to actors until there's an offer to be made to them. Um, but I can do it on my own if I want, I can call up managers and, and then do the whole thing and be like, Hey, like I'm Ulrich Brussel from Brussel Productions. I've got a movie, um, that we're going to be shooting in the fall of 2018. Uh, we have partial funding, uh, but I would love to, you know, get this actor, uh, get the script to, uh, your client so and so. Um, you know, can I, can I get, uh, can I send the script over to, you know, to you if I'm talking to the manager or if this is probably going to be an assistant, you know, can I, you know, can I get to, you know, whatever, can I get so-and-so's email so I can send it to them? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That kind of thing. It really, this, every, this whole story sounds like it's a culmination of everything we've learned on the podcast <laughs> that you're now like putting to, to use. Right. It's awesome. Right. But I, I don't really feel like, I don't think, I mean, I'd rather, I'd much rather just make offers to actors then sure, do the yeah. whole like LOI, like, Oh, can I send you the script sort of thing? <laughs> I mean, I know it'd be helpful, um, you know, in these investor meetings to have some, some of that already happening. But I think to some degree, like for me, I just rather, I'd rather wait, you know, I just think it's might be much better that way. Yeah. So but, back to the table read, how important is it to you for people to be there live in person um, versus just know. listen to it as a podcast? I mean, I think it'd be fun to have people be there, you know, and then they could respond to it and we could talk about it after and have like a little bit of a conversation with the audience about the story and what they heard and, and I'll have them ask questions and, you know, have a little bit of a Q and a about the, the table read after it's done. And then, you know, even, you know, outside of the podcast, just chatting with people afterwards and like, you know, getting to meet more people and, you know, hear what their thoughts are. I think it would be nice, but I mean, you know, it, the most important thing about it is just doing the actual table read itself and being able to listen to it and watch it or watch it later myself and just, you know, be able to take notes and see what worked and see what didn't and, and hear the response or the non-response from, from the act, from the room, you know? So if people um, want to be there, how, how, how are we structuring this? There's an event prep event right yeah. page that they can go to yeah you can also just i think i i linked the event bright to facebook so i think you can actually just um you know sign up through facebook and it'll go through the event bright so you can just uh go to our facebook page um and you'll find it there and then it's also on the indie filmmaking community page too so you can find it there as well um and then it'll be in the show notes too um, and it'll probably be in the show notes of every episode uh, until the event, just so people can see it and go there. And uh, yeah, if they want to, if they want to come, we'd love to have you. It'd be a lot of fun. And I, I hope that this is going to be the first of multiple live podcasting events that we do. And maybe the next one will be more mm -hmm. making movies is hard, all, uh, focused and not, you know, the alternate <laughs> not focused a special event. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, it's um, exciting. This this whole episode is super exciting because I feel like I just interviewed a filmmaker that's not my co-host. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's fun. <laughs> I think it's cool. Like we went through your whole story over the past few years. Yeah. It's good to hear it all in one place. Yeah. Do you feel like we missed anything? Um, I can't think of, of anything. I, I think you did a really thorough job. Thanks for oh, organizing cool. this. This is yeah, awesome. Man. Of course. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm really excited. And I think that's like kind of the key to this. It's like I'm still excited about it yeah. after four years. It's still exciting to me. So I think that's one of the really important parts of this whole filmmaking thing is just being excited about what you're making, you know? Yeah. Um, the other question I had is, I mean, so I've heard, we've heard from other listeners and from other people about like sharing your pitch book uh, while you're pitching it and like wanting to keep it under wraps and keep it secret for some reason. But I mean, can you think of a reason why I wouldn't just post the pitch book on the show notes or no, why not? Why not? Yeah. What's the deal? The only thing I could imagine you don't want to share is your budget. Oh, right. You might want to take that page out just because I I know like when you get into negotiating your film's release, like you, you want to, you don't want anyone to know what your budget is so you can negotiate the best deal possible. Right. Okay. That's a good idea. So yeah, I'll just do that. I'll just take the budget um, language out of there. There's a budget page. I'll take that page out. And then um, every time budget is mentioned, I'll just have it blacked out so that you don't see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think no, because I just I'm just like, what the fuck's the big deal? Like the script's already online. Like, why can't I put the pitch book online? Yeah, I don't I see. There's don't... <laughs> there's no information in there that would be detrimental. And I think it's more useful to um, the readers to be able to actually see the pitch book, you know, and see what what I've done. And I mean, you know, I get lots of compliments on it, but then I also get lots of people um, who say it's uh, not where it could be. Ed, I know you're listening. Um, and <laughs> I, I know, and I really appreciate out. that because I, I think he's right. Like, I definitely think he's right. Like, I think it could be better. And I think it has gotten better since I've showed it to him, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that the, for me, it's like, I'm just not a, a very design focused person. And, you know, the most, the more help I have with that, the better it's going to be, you know. That's why I'm so glad Lucas is helping me. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I'm bowing to Lucas right now at my desk yeah it's really amazing um quickly before we go uh, can we read these two itunes reviews yeah why not so one and they're both from longtime listeners um i definitely recognize this first one helder pedro oh december 30th helder's been listening to this podcast for probably since the beginning because we've met him at, at several events i feel yeah he's a he's a really great guy and a filmmaking homie in the bay area and you know he edited that web series that i got fired off of um and <laughs> yeah. yeah he did a great job and i don't know he's a really cool guy and a, and a talented filmmaker so yeah awesome yeah thanks helter for this uh, review it's a five-star review with the title passion meets inspiration he says you can tell the hosts Ulrich and timothy are very passionate filmmakers by listening to their sincere discussions on this podcast i feel we are passengers on this tour bus of unique experience getting to watch the ups and downs of their journey to reach their filmmaking goals these are universal goals that are shared with every independent filmmaker around the world so it's especially nice to listen to this podcast whenever you feel down during your own difficult journey of independent filmmaking and remember you're not alone that's the whole point of it. That was great. Yeah, totally. That's an awesome review. Thanks so much, Helder. And do you have access to the second one? Or do you want me to read um, it? 
Yeah, you should just read it. Okay, so the second one's from Lionel K., uh, January 3rd, oh, 2018. Lionel. What's up, Lionel? He's another friend. I, I hung out with him at AFM, and I also hung out with him at the uh, script, not script notes, the Just Shoot It uh, live podcasting oh, cool. event that I went to in LA. Yeah, so, so he Lionel, says this review up? is long overdue, so I figured he's been listening for a while. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, title is Amazing Podcast for Filmmakers, a Must Listen. He says, this review is long overdue. Timothy and Ulrich have put together a unique filmmaking podcast that not only provides loads of information, but also provides a little therapy for those trying to get a movie made. There are great guests on the show, but the thing that sets this podcast apart from the others is the candor and openness in which Timothy and Ulrich discuss their struggles, frustrations, and successes. If you're interested in all at making movies, this podcast is a must listen. Five wow. stars. Thanks, Lionel. Yeah, really That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Lionel's a really cool guy, and he's got his own movie that he's putting together. And um, I connected him with uh, Gavin, one of our previous guests, and they're working together now on his movie, I think. So it's awesome, man. That's great. Really, really exciting to like see you know someone just go out and do it and make it happen and you know he, he hasn't really been making movies um you know in the last like you know 10 15 years i think like he used to be in the business but then he went into into real estate i think so yeah it's cool that he's like but he's back he's making his dream happen that's it's awesome yeah man well thank you guys for those reviews because the the best part about reading these things is getting a reflection back for what you guys are hearing and when it matches up to kind of like our uh, mission statement on the podcast, it makes me really excited that we're doing what we're trying to do. Um, it makes me a little sad sometimes when I hear from listeners that don't seem to understand what we're trying to do and want this podcast to be different. <laughs> um, right. I'm trying not to argue with people and just be like, I hear you. And what I want to do, we didn't do this episode, but eventually I want to just give some other podcast resources for people that do want something else. Cause this podcast right. is never going to be the all encompassing filmmaking podcast for everyone. Right. And if you're looking, if you're hungry for other things and more nuts and bolts things that we're not talking about, there are a lot of other great podcasts out there that you, you can listen to and get that stuff. So maybe, you right. know, supplement making movies is hard with some other stuff and you'll get the full picture that you're looking for. I mean, obviously people should be listening to just shoot it. We talk about them a lot yeah. and, uh, I think they're great, and they're really like us a lot, but they do have some more nuts and bolts episodes. I th- yeah, just- I feel like they get into the the more of the nitty gritty how tos, uh, tips and tricks, and things like that than we do. We tend to focus a lot on the emotional aspects of it. But we have the nuts and bolts episodes sure. too here and there. So I mean, I think it's de- just depends. But I mean, it feels like they're going a lot of interviews too. Like like I can't even remember the last time they had a non interview <laughs> guest on their show. Um, which makes sense. I mean, you know, I think that's also a lot of fun, especially for the hosts to have guests to talk to. Yeah. I mean, but, part of the reason we did it is because one thing I think alleviates us having to find a topic to talk about and really dig into it. Having a guest on opens up the conversation, gets new points of views and makes our jobs a little easier because it's not all resting on us to like figure out what to talk about. Right. And I think they, they're able to answer a lot of questions that we don't have the answers to which I think is also important. All right. I'm going to take us out. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to sign up for our live event, the uh, table read on February, Saturday, the 17th. There's an Eventbrite uh, posting out there and Facebook. We'll, We'll link it 
it in the show notes. We'll also put it on Twitter. You guys will be able to find it. We'll keep talking about it until it happens. Um, but of course, if you can't make it because you're nowhere near the Bay Area, it'll also be a podcast that you guys can listen to. If you like the show, please do what Helder and Lionel did and leave us a review. We love those. Even the star reviews are great. Um, I saw there are some new star reviews on there. So thank you guys for putting those up. And um, you can also find us on Stitcher and wherever else you find podcasts or go to our website and sign up for our we have a weekly um, email that goes out that just has the show notes in it. And there's an MP3 link that you can just go directly and listen to the podcast there. Uh, our email is podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Our website is makingmoviesishard.com. And our handle on Twitter and Facebook is at MMIH podcast. Reach out. Let us know what you think. We love hearing from new listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. Thanks again, Ulrich. Oh, thanks you too. Thank you, Timothy. And it was fun to talk about the movie. I love talking about it. Yeah. So, well, we will yeah. continue talking about it for the next year, uh, maybe yeah. two years until it's well, done. Well, yeah, until it's finished editing. But I mean, I swear, going to shoot the end of this year or beginning of next year. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The end of this year. God I believe damn it. it's going to happen, too. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, everyone. All right. Have a good week. We'll talk to you soon.